Hi guys, welcome back to the Midwife in My Pocket podcast. We are here with episode two. As always, I am your host, Zoe, and thank you so much for listening. Welcome. Um, This week has been really good. Um, I have been super overwhelmed with all of the love and support from the launch of this podcast and, um, you know, with my first episode, we hit over 500 listens. So for that, I am ecstatic, really, really stoked. So thank you so much, guys, for listening and for supporting. It truly means the world to me. I'm not going to ramble on because I, yeah, constantly do it. So (laughs) thank you so much, guys. This week, um, the episode is going to be orientated around your ideal birth scenario, the importance of a birth plan and advocating for yourself and your ideal birth experience. Now, this is all obviously a lot easier said than done, um, but I think if we can hash out some of the main points today that I really think are important, particularly if you're a first-time mum or if you are striving for a birth that might be a little bit different to the norm. So if you're going for a VBAC um, after a cesarean or if you are in spontaneous labor as opposed to an induction that you may have had previously, I think this episode will really help with discovering what is important to you and your ideal birth scenario. Because I know for a fact that birth is not the same for anyone like the ideal birth experience is not going to be the same for every person um people have very different ideologies and people have very different beliefs of what their birth should entail so i think first and foremost that's the most important point to establish that what might seem like my ideal birth might not seem like yours in fact we probably have two completely different um beliefs on what birth should look like Um, But the main thing to note is that is okay. Um, You know, me, myself, I could not think of anything worse for me than birthing in a pool or in a bath. Um, That's just me. I don't know what it is about it. I don't enjoy the thought of being in water during my labor. Being in the shower, great. Um, Would love that for me. But unfortunately, a water birth is not something that I perceive as my ideal scenario, whereas someone else might think that that's their dream and that's okay. That's all I'm going to say about that because I think that's one of the biggest problems with the birth industry is even in midwifery, even in just women, femalehood, (laughs) um, we are so quick to judge people based on what their ideal experiences are. So me saying that I don't want a water birth will probably trigger so many people. And, you know, that's fine. If that's, you know, something that is important to you, I'm not going to take that experience away from you, nor am I going to make you feel like shit about that experience. But, you know, I think we should be able to say like, oh, no, I don't want a water birth or, oh, no, like I don't want to give vaginal birth. I want to have an elective cesarean or... I want to have a vaginal birth and I want to avoid induction. I think we should, or even if your ideal birth is an induction, I think we should be able to confidently say that sort of stuff in public without feeling that shame and criticism that is quite often attached with something out of the norm in terms of birth. And that's something that I really want to hone in on today because I think it's just rife in 
midwife life in being a woman we are so quick to judge people and tear people down for things that don't align with our personal beliefs so that's sort of what I want to discuss today because it really irked me um I had a bit of an experience with it at the start of the week or at the end of last week I guess I do on my Instagram I do Q&A Fridays every Friday um, to sort of answer any questions that people may have that are a little bit specific about birth that they might not get from my posts or that they might not be able to DM me about. Um, so I sort of, I actually really quite enjoy doing them. I find that it really connects with my audience and I'm able to answer their more specific questions, um, you know, regarding things that my post might be about that they just want more details on. So um, if you're interested, we do do that every Friday. So please follow the Instagram if you aren't already. Um, but one of the questions I got asked was what is your, like, what sector will you be going in to give birth? I can't remember what the question was exactly off the top of my head. I think it was public versus private. And it was, you know, what will you be choosing? I'm just going to do a quick little search to make sure I'm not speaking out of my ass. Um, but that was the gist of it. It was, you know, if you have to give birth, what will you pick? And that's something that I've been asked been asked a lot more recently I think as my platform evolves people want to know more about me and about my personal beliefs as a midwife I guess which is cool like I always knew it was going to become a little bit more about me um, as my page grows and as people start to get to know me more they might become a bit interested in my life whatever that's cool I had no issue with answering the question otherwise I wouldn't have answered it but one thing I found was I'm not going to say backlash because backlash is a big big word and it's not really what I experienced but it was more I guess surprise or um I don't know what it was it felt a little bit like judgment anyway I'm just going to find the question and see what it was because it's really pissing me off here we go so the question was if you were pregnant what care will you choose, public or private? Now, with my Instagram, I have decided to be very, very truthful because I feel like if I bullshit, then that's just going to come back and bite me in the ass. And I don't want that to happen. And I don't want to be ingenuine because, you know, what's the point? Like, what am I going to gain out of that? I might as well be, you know, realistic and truthful. And, the you know, I think that's just the only way you can be in this world. So, I answered the question truthfully and I said that my ideal care pathway if I have a baby will be to go through the private system. Now there are a couple of reasons why I am going to pick private when I do eventually have children and the reason the biggest reason for it is because I want an obstetrician to be my sole care provider throughout my pregnancy. Now that is just something that I value which is you know the whole basis of birth or the care provider that you choose shouldn't be based on what your friends have gone with, shouldn't be based on what you think other people will appreciate or that will, you know, not judge you for from the outset because who gives a shit? They don't matter. What matters in a birth scenario is you and your baby. Um, so it shouldn't be a choice that you pick based on other people's opinions 
that's just the way I look at it. So I've always looked at it. So for me, I value an obstetrician and their input. I want them to be my sole care provider for me and my baby at the time of labor and birth. Um, and some might argue it's because I work quite closely with them and I've always been a private, well, I've been a midwife in the private sector. So it's an environment I'm familiar with. They're people that I'm familiar with. I'm familiar with all the obstetricians. I have a really good personal or professional relationship with all of them. I don't have a personal relationship with them, but it's all very nice for me. Like it's convenient. I know exactly what to expect. It's all familiar for me. I like the idea of having a doctor care for me. And maybe it would be different if I worked in the public sector. I've experienced the public sector, like I've worked in there before as a midwife and as a nurse. And it just doesn't appeal to me. I've worked in the public sector as a midwife. I've been involved in, um, what's it called? MGP, uh, midwifery group practice care. I've been involved in um, GP shared care. I've been involved in birth center, birth suite. Um, I've seen it all in the public sector. I can appreciate it and I absolutely understand why people love going through the midwifery model of care or why they like going through the, um, you know, the public sector through birth center or whatever it may be. That's fine. I completely understand that and I applaud them for doing that because they're doing what's best for them and what works for them. Amazing. But there's just always a sort of negative connotation especially when it comes to midwives when they decide that they don't want to go through the midwifery led system or they don't want to go through a care pathway where midwives are at the center of it all and I don't get it (laughs) some might say I'm a bit of an unconventional midwife in terms of I advocate for whatever works for the woman. So I'm able, like I'm not blowing wind up my ass, but I'm pretty good at approaching situations and without judgment. Like I'm pretty good at sitting down with a woman or a person and having them say to me, look, I want an elective cesarean. And it might be their first baby. Like maybe they've never had a labor before. And they come to me and they say, look, Zoe, I really want a elective cesarean, which they can do in the private system. So I don't usually question it unless I feel the need to um, in terms of, you know, what does this, like what does your ideal birth experience look like? Why is it a cesarean section? And sorry, I just moved. (laughs) And nine times out of 10, these women will open up to me and they'll say, I want a cesarean because, um, you know, I've heard all of these terrible things about birth and I don't want that to be me. And, you know, that's when we sort of work through that. And if at the end of me talking them through, they still want a cesarean, like cool power to them, no dramas. I'm not going to argue with them, nor am I going to make them feel like shit about something that's so precious to them and something that's really quite vulnerable for them like people go out of their way to confide in midwives and I can see why people don't tell or like where they're not truthful with midwives or health professionals it's because of that fear of judgment so I try to be as unbiased and as as unjudgmental I think that's a word as I possibly can because I know how shit it can be to be in the opposite 
role. So I know what it's like to be a patient and then be sitting before a doctor or before, you know, a health professional and say, this is my issue. Can you help me? And then having them judge you like it's a horrible, horrible feeling and it makes you distrust the whole system. So you have one bad experience with a health professional. You're probably never really going to be able to recover from that because it's a really vulnerable, really quite difficult time. So I always try to be really um, unbiased in my approach and really quite open. So I try to put on this persona or put on this open, warm, you know, unjudgmental personality, which I am, um, to make people feel comfortable to open up to me. And when they do open up to me, I consider that a privilege. I never will judge them. So anyway, If someone comes to me and they say they want a cesarean, I'm not going to talk them out of it. I'm not going to make them feel like shit about their decision because it's something that they've made and they probably haven't done so lightly. I can provide them with education about it for sure. I can provide them with all of the insight into what happens and what the recovery is like and, you know, what to expect. But I would never be like, you idiot, you need to have a vaginal birth because that doesn't do anything for them. I mean, it might make me feel better. It might make my ego feel better as a midwife because I'm, you know, pushing physiological birth. But at the end of the day, that's damaging and I'm not going to do that. And I know that there are some midwives out there that do. And I don't want this to be like a hate podcast for, you know, saying that all midwives are terrible because a lot of them are like me. Um, A lot of them are very, um, you know, understanding and will go out of their way to advocate for women but I think sometimes we always lose sight of what's important at the end of the day and and it's really easy to do in the health sector like I've done it before I'm not perfect like you know I've made some pretty (laughs) severe fuck-ups in my time but the thing is I've learned from them and they now provide me with the practice that I do today so I've Like I, yeah, absolutely, my practice today is so based on the, for lack of a better word, fuck-ups that I've had in the past because, you know, if I didn't have those, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. Anyway, I digress as usual. So, yeah, I think it's just really important that we don't judge people for something that is important to them. So, for example, I felt kind of... (sighs) again, I don't want to say attacked, but I did feel kind of judged when I said I want private care to be my preferred birth experience when I have babies. Like, that's just what I want. And I got a few DMs from people, um, mostly midwives, mostly people in the health care profession asking me why I would want private health care or why I wouldn't pick a midwife and for lack of a better answer it's quite it's not as you know saucy as one might think I just enjoy where I work and I enjoy the thought of having a doctor there that is just me and for me I'm quite a highly anxious person like I do have a little bit of a fear of lack of control which is why I don't do very well in a birth suite setting. I've become a lot better um, at recognizing my triggers and at understanding when things are becoming a little bit too much for me. But I have noticed even as a midwife – 
that when things are getting a little bit tough in a birth suite or even as a nurse, when things are getting a little bit tough on the floor and I feel like I'm drowning or I feel like that anxiety is creeping up on me, almost every time when a doctor walks into the room, I feel so much better. And, you know, that's not me doubting my practice. I know I'm capable as a nurse and a midwife. I know I'm a bloody good nurse and a midwife. <laughs> Shameless plug. But, like, I have no doubt in my skills. But sometimes it's just nice to know that you're not on your own in that sort of scenario when things are becoming a little bit too difficult to manage or when things are starting to, um, I guess, cascade and deteriorate, it's nice to know that there's a professional on my side. And I like that thought in healthcare as well. So yeah, I will be choosing private care. And when it comes to my ideal birth experience, I don't know what that looks like because A, I'm not pregnant. B, I've never been through labor. I've never been through birth. And C, I mean, things can very well change. Like maybe I'll change workplaces in the next five or so years and be in the public sector or in, you know, something completely different. Maybe I'll not even be a midwife. I don't know. Anything could happen. I mean, it's five years. Who knows? But I don't want to lock myself into something when I haven't had the experience of being a mother. So, yeah, I mean, it very well could change. But for now... This is what's important to me and what's important to me having the ideal birth scenario. So I guess I'm open to an induction. I'm open to an elective cesarean. I mean, I don't think you can be open to an emergency one, but I'm cool with it. Again, this is just me speaking purely hypothetical. It could be very different for me at the time. Um, I'm open to vaginal birth. I'm open to having a vacuum or forceps. I would much rather not, if possible. Um, I understand that that's just what birth entails and that's what might happen. And yeah, like I'm an open book when it comes to birth. And obviously this could all be very different and it could all change. But I've seen it all and I've been a part of birth and I have worked in the birth environment And I completely understand that, you know, things can change at the drop of a hat. And I'm open to that. Like, I'm cool with it. But I only know that I'm saying that because I have all of the education and the skills behind me. If I wasn't a midwife, I probably would want normal physiological birth without any intervention if possible. But after seeing the other side, I'm down for whatever. (laughs) Um, but yeah, and again, I don't want to be judged for that because that's just my outlook on it. Like, I think it's a bit, the way I think about it is a little bit like weddings, right? So until you're the one in it, you don't understand the full extent of like the stress behind planning a wedding or the amount of financial strain that comes with planning a wedding. Um, you don't realize all of that until you're in it. And I think birth is kind of like the same, just on a more different scale. Um, but it's a really highly marketed thing, right? And I never realized until again, I was in it. So as a midwife, I have grown to learn 
how marketed the system is. It's people literally capitalizing on the vulnerable, right? So it's crazy, absolutely crazy. Like the money that is in the birth sector. Um, I mean, just look at mummy bloggers, for example, right? Like it's not hard. Go on to your Instagram. You'll probably know what I'm talking about. But just, you know, the amount of birth content that is out there probably has a fair a decent amount of money being pumped into it right so like you think about it and it's you think about your favorite influences and their births and stuff they get you know I don't even know what I'm trying to explain but it's like okay for example the best way I can think about this is when I was watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians a little while ago, I saw Kourtney Kardashian have her birth, her ideal birth experience. And then I saw Kim have her births. And, you know, for Kim, it was probably a little bit more difficult, a little bit harder. But I can guarantee that after that episode of her birth or Kourtney's birth aired, how many people would have been influenced into doing the same thing as them because that was what they did. It's the same sort of thing with influencers or with a public figure. You see them do something and all of a sudden you're wanting your birth to look kind of similar to that because maybe it appealed to you. That's cool, whatever. But it's the same as weddings, for example. You look at an influencer get married and all of the brand deals and things that are involved in that wedding or involved in that Um, process and you think you don't really know that you're going to be targeted until you're the one that's in the wedding or you're the one that's getting married and it's like all of a sudden you want to have the same thing that that influencer did only to be like finding out that they got gifted it when it could be like you know twenty thousand dollars worth of flowers I can't afford that I don't know who can afford that but you see an influencer had twenty thousand dollars worth of flowers so your mind sort of starts to play tricks on you and you get really quite disheartened when you can't have that same thing. I don't know if I'm if that makes sense. <laughs> but that's sort of what I picture birth to be like. I think that it's become such a business in terms of, you know, you haven't and like the way they try to sell it to you is, you know, you're not a good like it's fucking crazy like people will say things to you like you're not a good mother unless you don't have unless you use pain if uh, fuck I'm jumbling my words so people will try to use like the guilt thing on you like you're not a good mom unless you push your baby out without pain relief which is fucked to say right so I just think that as people or as women, as midwives, whatever we may be, we need to stop coming for mums about their ideal birth experience. And I felt that when I shared that I wanted private health care and people were like, why would you want that? Like, why don't you go for midwifery-led practice? Or why would you want a doctor in the room? Like, I'm just being vulnerable and sharing my experience <laughs> and I'm not even pregnant yet and I feel targeted like what the hell (laughs) and this is no hate if you dm'd me like that's cool I don't mind but I just think I want people to be a little bit more mindful of the way they speak 
about birth and labor, particularly about birth, because I think there is so, there's no one way to give birth these days. And I think the more that we accept that and the more that we celebrate that, the better off we'll all be. Um, so, yeah, that is my thought regarding that. And, yeah, I think as midwives we have a lot of work to do with that because sometimes, and I'm very guilty of this, I will put my needs as a midwife before the needs of the woman and it should be the complete opposite, complete opposite. And I think that's just something that I've been trying to be more mindful of in my practice as both a nurse and a midwife. And I think everyone in my position should be as well, just a little bit more mindful of what we say. But don't get me wrong, it is very hard to do. It is something that we all can work on one way or another. And even just normal people that aren't in the healthcare profession. Um, you know, when your friend tells you that they want an elective cesarean, don't pull that bullshit of like, oh, why? You're too posh to push. Or like, oh, that's not hard work. <laughs> Labor's hard work. Like, come on. Come on. That's all I'm saying. Get a grip. <laughs> yeah. So that's my little input. Just don't judge people for what they want. And then this sort of, I guess, transfers into the conversation of birth plans and why they are important or why we could all do with one when it comes to push and shove. <laughs> so I used to be under the impression that a birth plan wasn't something you needed and as I've progressed with my career and as I've seen more and more, I start to realize that having a plan isn't such a bad idea. And it could be a really valuable tool in getting what you want from your birth experience. Now, this doesn't have to be that specific. Birth plans can be as broad as you want them to. In my opinion, the more broad, the better. And you can be specific with certain things. So for example, if I was to do a birth plan, I would put, you know, what my ideal birth would look like in dot points or like a mood board type of thing. So like for me, that would look like me and my partner or my fiance, sorry, Jack, um, being together the entire time. And that would mean he will be supporting me in whatever way I see fit on the day. So whether he's rubbing my back, holding my hand, whatever, I would just like him to be present. That's like my biggest, that's what my ideal birth scenario looks like. Whether the birth itself is vaginal through an elective cesarean, an emergency cesarean, that's fine as long as he's with me because that will be the most important factor on the day to me. And I know that now. I know that won't change. It's going to stay the same throughout whether I'm pregnant or not. So that's something that's important to me. The other thing that's important to me is being able to make the choices I need to. So I want to be able to be informed every step of the way. And whether the information is being fed to me through my obstetrician, my midwife, um, or my fiancé, 
I want to be informed every step of the way. And that might look a little bit different for me because I am a midwife and I am a health professional and I know what big medical jargon means and I know what indications are that might lead to intervention. So I understand it. And that might be really different for you who might not understand any of that, who might not, you know, have quite as big of a grasp on medical concepts as I do. That's cool. But you need to be able to say that you want information to be portrayed to you or, sorry, conveyed to you in a certain tone. So, for example, if I need to go for an emergency cesarean, I want plenty of warning. And I want that warning to be early and I want it to be mindful. So, if I have the chance to keep going with my labor and see what happens, I want them to say that, but I don't want them to put me on the clock, if that makes sense. So, I don't want them to say, you know, Zoe, I know you're trying really hard, but we might need to go for an emergency cesarean in 20 minutes if there's no change. I don't want them to do that. I just want them to say, we'll see how you go. We'll keep you updated. I don't want a time frame. And I know I probably in the moment, I'll probably ask for a time frame. Like if the doctor turns to me and says, you know, we, we probably will wait it out and see what happens. And I'll be like, well, how long do we have to wait? Because that's just me as a person. I want to know how long I've got. I want to know what time frame I have to, you know, get things going. But I don't want to be put on the clock. And that's one thing that I'll be very specific with in my birth plan. But that's my example of things that you can be as broad with or as specific with. So me, I broad, I want my partner there in every aspect. Specific, I don't want to be put on the clock. More specific, I would like to have the TENS machine. I'm open to having opioids for pain relief and I'm open to an epidural. But in a more specific sense, I don't want a water birth. See what I mean? And this looks very different for everyone. Like another thing, I'm not a big fan of affirmations, like birth affirmations. Like that's just my personal preference. I know they work really, really well for other women. And I know that they're, you know, a great tool to use in a labor and birth environment. They just don't work for me. And that's cool. Um, I'll do them for other women women absolutely like I'll be that one in the room like fucking posting them to the walls and like reading them to you as you're in a contraction like you have power (laughs) but that's just not for me so again and that's another way that we can all be supportive of that like but if that's important to you put it in your birth plan so if you want you know certain things around your birth suite that remind you of home put that in your plan Because at the end of the day, that makes my job as a midwife so much easier and I can put more focus into you and making your ideal birth experience because I'm not worried about questioning it the whole time. Like I'm not in the room being like, hey, do you want oil? And then turning on the oil and realizing you don't like it or hey, do you want massage? And then me getting into halfway to rubbing your back and then you being like, I hate that. Like 
trial and error is a lot of time consuming work <laughs> for midwives. And I think that, yeah, the more specific you can be in your birth plan, the more I'm able to focus on you and making this the day that you want it to be in every capacity that I can. So yeah, birth plans, amazing. You can also use the birth plan to your advantage to put everyone involved in your scenario on the same page. So there's nothing open to interpretation. So when I say that, I don't mean that you should put in your birth plan that you don't want an induction or you don't want this or that or whatever it may be, but you're putting things in there that are important to you. So if you want the light stimmed, put in there that you would like the light stimmed. If you want to try different pain relief and progress with your body as it goes. So like if you want to start off with just a heat pack and then see how you go and then maybe we progress to something more, you should put that into your birth plan just so that everyone is on the same page because there's nothing worse than, you know, us saying to you, look, we know that it's all going well, but would you like to try this? And then you might say yes. Your partner might say, oh, no, she told me the other day that she doesn't want that. And then it sort of becomes a little bit awkward because it's like, well, what do you want to do now? You know what I mean? Like, it's just so much easier if everyone's on the same page. And then you and your partner in that moment when you say, I don't want this. And he says, well, you wanted it the other day. That eradicates that argument <laughs> because things can become very heated when you're in an emotional environment. It's really high pressure. It's really very overwhelming. And all of a sudden you and your partner are arguing about some insignificant minor detail that you might've mentioned three days ago, but now you've, you've changed your mind. Like <laughs> it's awkward and you can imagine how awkward it would be. So yeah, birth plan, pop it in, debrief your partner and your team before you go into your labor and birth because it's really important to have everyone on the same page just to eradicate that argument and that awkwardness. <laughs> I hope that makes sense. But yeah, they can also be a very powerful tool for you as well. So you can start to visualize exactly what you want from your birth exactly what you don't want and it's sort of I think it gets you a little bit excited and it gets you into that sort of zone that you need to be to take birth on with an open mind and yeah I rate them I really do I used to say don't do a birth plan like no plan is a good plan but I think at the end of the day a plan is just that it's a plan but it keeps everyone in check and it makes sure that you are at the forefront of every decision and it makes it just leaves things open to interpretation because yeah like i said my job half of the time in birth suite is trying to find out what you want from your birth scenario and it can be really hard to do when you're contracting or when you know you're having that overwhelming pressure or you know it's all just very emotionally overwhelming and the last thing you need is someone in your ear being like, do you want this? Do you want that? How about this? How about we try that? When you deep down don't really want to do that. So yeah, it makes my job a lot easier. <laughs> but it also makes things a lot more enjoyable for you and your partner at the time. Now, 
This leads me into my last point, which is advocating for yourself in a birth scenario, which again, much, much easier said than done. And it can be really hard to do when you don't fully understand things. So instead of, you know, saying like advocacy, because I think advocating for yourself can be really difficult when you add labor and birth and contractions and pain into it. So I think the main thing will be to question, like don't be afraid to question health professionals when they say or suggest you might need something. Because at the end of the day, sometimes even me as I'm guilty of this, I do this all the time and it's not even intentional, but sometimes I can listen to baby's heart rate and start to get a little bit concerned and think, oh, you know, something might need to happen here. But I'll fail to communicate that with you, the woman, at the time. And so then when I start to get a little bit concerned or I start to call in the big guns or whatever and say, look, we need to do this, I sometimes forget to explain why. And that's just something that comes naturally. Um, It can be really easy to get caught up in the moment. And I'm not making excuses for myself. It is something that I need to get better at and something I am working on. But you should always keep communication lines open. And sometimes I just get a little bit caught up and I don't always explain why things are happening or why I need to do this or why we should think about doing this. So don't be afraid to question us because at the end of the day, sometimes we do get caught up in our job and we forget that there's, you know, someone else involved in the situation So if I say to you, hey, do you think you should try and do this? Don't be afraid to be like, okay, I get where you're coming from, Zoe, but why? How will that help me? What will that do for me? Is everything okay? That sort of thing. And I don't mind it because it actually triggers a little thing in me to explain things to you further or to be like, hey, Zoe, dickhead, like, You've just said that we need to do this, but you haven't told her why. Like, commence explanation of why. (laughs) So, yeah, don't be afraid to question health professionals. And, oops, sorry, I'm just doing a little shuffle again. Um, Yeah, don't be afraid to question us and don't be afraid to say no to things. If you have an informed decision and if you have a really good understanding of what's going on, you can say no. Like, I think that's the most, I guess, underrated birth information (laughs) or the most underrated birth decision out there. You can say no to shit that you don't want or that doesn't align to you as long as you feel comfortable in doing so. And as long as that's the best decision for you and baby, like as health professionals, we can give you all of the education. We can give you all of the advice. We can give you all of the scenarios that can play out. But at the end of the day, if you don't consent to it, we don't do it. (laughs) So I think that's just something to be mindful of. Um, And, you know, we all like health professionals, we're the first person to say, you know, when things are becoming dangerous for you or for baby, But you also can question us and you can also, you know, have those conversations with us to make sure that we're doing the best thing for you and your baby, not the most convenient thing for us, if that makes sense. So, yeah, 
please, 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 um, when you're in a birth environment, don't think that we are telling you to do things. It might come across that way, but ask us why and question us why. And if you aren't in the headspace to do that, talk to your partner or your support person about that and tell them, look, you need to be able to question these things or you need to be able to speak on my behalf. And that's where, you know, this birth plan comes in so importantly because you both need to be on the same page. Because if I come into a room and say, we need to do this, your partner should be able to say to you, well, why are you doing this for her? What makes you think that she needs this? I know that she doesn't want this or she does want this, you know, and then we can come to a conclusion based on that. But yeah, that's my little rant. I don't think it's a rant. I think it was more of an educated conversation about birth, how it looks different for everyone, the importance of advocacy and the importance of a birth plan, um, which I think was a pretty important chat. It was probably quite a heavy chat to have today, but nonetheless I think it's important and I think it's something that will be valuable to people going forward um, because I think it's really easy to forget that birth looks differently for everyone and what might be good for you probably won't be good for me and that's okay I think that's the thing that we need to remember is it's okay like it's cool it doesn't matter because I'm not going to lose sleep over it like fuck I'm not going to lose sleep over anyone but yeah, I just think we need to stop getting our knickers in a knot because it doesn't suit us. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, that's me for today, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please head over to my Instagram at midwife in my pocket. Um, I'm constantly posting educational content on there if you were interested and you want to learn a thing or two from me that is probably the best place to do it I also have a Facebook group um, again under the name of midwife in my pocket where I'll be posting things about the episodes and we can have conversations in there about what we listen to and what was discussed so please join in the conversation. I get a little bit bored of posting sometimes. So if you guys want to post on my behalf, I'm an admin, so I'll like accept it or whatever. But yeah, if you want to start having some discussions with community members in the um, Facebook group, please do. Um, I would love to see the commentary around the episodes and where we're at. If you like the podcast, please, please, please subscribe share it with a friend, leave a rate and a review. The reviews and the rates actually will really help me um, in the long run, particularly when I'm emailing influencers to get guests for this. And I can say like, my podcast is five rated, five star rated, and it's been rated by X amount of people. Like that'll just really help me out. So if you enjoy it, please leave a rate and a review. It really, really helps me and supports me. If you enjoy me in general, please let me know. I thrive of a little bit of um, positive affirmation, <laughs> believe it or not. So if you're into the shit I say, please let me know about it because it does help me a lot. It'll just give me that push I need to continue with the content that I'm creating. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Please let me know if you did. Please leave a rate and review. Share this with your friends. 
etc and also send me in photos of where you guys are listening I love to see what (laughs) my voice looks like or sounds like in your world so please send me in photos of you listening or your babies listening or of you just you know taking a walk with my podcast in your ears it would mean the world to me Alrighty, guys I'm gonna wrap this up cheers as always for listening see you on my instagram and i'll see you next tuesday (laughs) with another episode all right hooroo guys bye